Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. Our featured speaker for today is Pastor Kerry Nance. He is the pastor of Southside Baptist Church, and that's in Tampa, Florida. Pastor Nance was saved, baptized as a young boy, under the ministry of Landmark Baptist Church in Haines City, Florida. He met his wife, Amy, while attending Bible college, both he and his wife, from pastor's homes, blessed with godly heritages. They were married in 1993, serving on staff at Calvary Baptist Church. In 1996, he became the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church, served there until 2003, and in August of 2003, the Lord led them to Tampa, Florida, where they started the church later that year. November 23rd, the Southside Baptist Church was organized with 19 charter members. Pray that you enjoy the message by Pastor Kerry Nance uh, here on the Baptist Pulpit. It's a joy to be here this morning, and uh, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 2 this morning, Luke chapter 2, appreciate the special music, and uh, my first time to be at uh, Ambassador, and um, uh, we've had the singing group down, and of course uh, the Elliots uh, are here, and uh, we know them, and uh, they were in our ministry for some time, and, uh, but it's a joy to be here. Um, I am, just to give you a little background, uh, I grew up in a church planter's home. My father was a pastor and then um, uh, went to Bible college. And after that, I was in West Virginia for 11 years and uh, was on staff and pastored uh, a church there, Calvary Baptist Church in Mannington, West Virginia. And then in 2003, the Lord began to direct our heart down to Tampa and uh, uh, realized that there was a need there for a church. And uh, there was a church that had closed down and we were able to purchase the uh, buildings and so uh, organized that church in November of 2003 and have been there since then and then uh, glad to be with you guys for the next couple of days and uh, hope to get to meet you and uh, we'll be praying for you and praying for all the activities uh, of this week. Would you stand with me as we honor the word of God, Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, Luke chapter 2 and verse 39, probably a familiar part of the text uh, with most of us, but let's look in as we read the word of God, the Bible says, and when they performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast and when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother 
knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they returned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both asking them, or both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Our Father, we pray this morning for your blessing upon this session today as we assemble here. We ask that your Holy Spirit would meet with us. We ask, dear God, that you would open up our eyes, illuminate our hearts, and that you would cause the Word of God to speak to us today. We thank you for this opportunity. Bless the preaching. Bless the Word. Bless the hearer. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When we look at Luke chapter 2, it's important to understand that this is not an act of rebellion and this is not a license for children to simply uh, dishonor or to uh, disobey their parents. Uh, But we find here in this passage, and the Word of God always keeps things in context, in verse 51, it, it really makes it clear that Jesus was subject to his parents. And I would have to say that a holy God being subject to uh, human flesh had to be a divine act by itself. No matter where your parents are, disobedience is not allowed in Scripture. And so here was Jesus, the holy Son of God, the righteous Son of God, the sinless Son of God. And yet in many ways, I'd have to say that Mary and Joseph probably made many mistakes and made them often, but yet he was subject to them in all manners. And so we find here that in this passage that there is an understanding that Jesus, and it's relevant for us to understand that Jesus was always God and never stopped being God. And even in this passage, we find that his purpose of why he was sent to earth is still in focus and is made clear to us today. In this passage, we find a story, and really, I would say that although whenever we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, every time we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, it reveals the human frailty of ourself. And in this passage, although we would have to say that this passage is a focus and the text is on the Lord Jesus Christ, how clearly it reveals the need of Jesus in our life. Mary and Joseph were good parents. I I would even take a step and say that Mary and Joseph were godly parents. They were very careful, the scripture gives us, to fulfill all the laws. As a matter of fact, uh, drop down, if you would, in the same text. 
And, and I'm amazed at this chapter and how it flows. And it says uh, in, in verse 22, notice here what it says. And when the days of her purification, uh, and, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. And then it begins to, to reveal all of this. And, and then if you'll look at verse 39, and when they were, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned unto Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And now, now we're going to jump from verse 39 to another story in verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents, so it tells me that not every parent did this act, but Jesus' parents, his earthly parents, uh, did this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year to, at the feast of the Passover. Now stop just for a second. Let's, let's catch something in, in mind here. Mary and Joseph were not um, what we might say uh, believers that followed uh, when it suited them. They were believers who followed the letter of the law, if we can use that term. I mean, if there was something to be done, Joseph was the man of his home. He was a godly leader, and he made sure that his family, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so here is the weekly Passover. It's the great revival of all Jerusalem. Every good Jew, every Bible-believing Jew would pack up his family and make the journey, not an easy journey, not a journey of, uh, of you know, like getting in your car and going down to an air-conditioned place and, and staying at a hotel. It was a difficult journey made by foot or by beast uh, to, to Jerusalem, uh, making their way down there, trying to stay. It cost them money. Uh, it was not like a paid vacation. And so here they are, diligent, faithful Jews, falling and fulfilling all the law. And so it was a required time. It was a time of the revival, the Passover. You know what the Passover is about? Well, the Passover is that time where we remember how God delivered his people. It's when we go back and we, we rehearse in our mind and we revisit how that we were once slaves. We, we revisit the fact that we were under the bondage of Pharaoh and under the taskmaster and how the whip came across the back day in and day out. And we had no other choice but to serve the God of this world. But we reminded ourselves of how that God intervened and sent a man, sent a deliverer in Moses and, and how that God with a mighty hand brought us out of, of Egypt. You remember how unwilling Pharaoh was to let them go? I'm, I'm reminded of this fact in, in uh, Exodus chapter, uh, I, I believe it is uh, 23, uh, where after they had already gone through the plagues and the locusts and the hail and the rain and cattle is dead and the servants are, are, are sick and the frogs are stacked up. As soon as Pharaoh hears that they're down by the Red Sea and they're kind of cornered, he says to his servants, why have we let them go? And with 600 chariots, he charges after the children of Israel. You understand the intent of Pharaoh was to never to let God's people go. But oh, how God got victory on that day. Amen. And on this feast of Passover, where they eat the lamb, where they have the blood that was shed, and they remembered how that when they applied the blood upon the door, upon the post, and that God had saved them and God had delivered them with a mighty hand. By the way, I don't know of anything that should bring a greater revival than going back to the cross. 
and remembering when the lamb was shed and killed for our sins. And so here they are. It's the time of revival. It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of, uh, of going through their salvation. It's a time of remembering their deliverance. And yeah, for seven long days, they're going to go and sit through this meeting. And at the end of these seven long days, you know, you got to stay all seven or you don't fulfill the week. All seven days of sitting in revival and hearing messages and keeping the Passover and listening to them read the law. And yeah, I got it again. Yeah, Pharaoh, we, we heard the story again. Yeah, the blood. Yeah, woo. Is this where we say amen? Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. Great. When can we go back? And so now the duties are fulfilled. Where, where, where's the list? Let me get my pen out. Yeah, good Jew. Let's see here. Fulfilled my week. Passover. Unleavened bread. Did that. Um, the lamb. Did that. Did that. Mary, get the kids. It's over. Praise God. Let's go home. Good night. How much did this week cost us? And they make their journey back. And in their hurry to get back to life, they forgot something. They forgot Jesus. The Bible makes it clear in this passage here in verse 43. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind. You know, that one phrase just shows me the hearts. One tarried. One was in a rush to get back. One stayed. One was lingering. The others were in a mad dash to their world, to their life. We've done what we've had to do. Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph noticed this and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. How, how can you leave Jesus behind? How can you forget the son? Didn't they just realize who the lamb was? Didn't they just have a whole week about the lamb and its ability to deliver them? How did they make this journey without Christ? But yet they did. And we find their oversight that they had chosen a path and a path in which Christ was not included. The Bible says here in verse 44, now I, I want you to, I want you to notice this, verse 44, but they supposing him to have been in the company went a day's journey and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. A couple of things that I want you to catch. I want you to catch, first of all, that they took the presence of God for granted. They made a complete day's journey. And can you imagine this? That then not one time did they speak to the Lord? Not one time did they ask the Lord how he was doing. Not one time did they say, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we're so glad that you're with us. What a blessing to have you in our life. They went an entire day with no communication, with no thought, with no regard to their own son, Jesus Christ. And now they have a day's journey. It's amazing how far one can travel in a day when traveling without Jesus. They tell us if we were to look on a map that they would probably most likely at the end of this day be encamping around some place called Shechem. 
It's interesting. Have you ever read about Shechem in the Bible? I don't know of anything good that really came out of Shechem. Oh, we know the story of the two sons of Jacob and we remember Tamar or, or Dinah, the daughter there that was, uh, that, that was ill favor with the city and, and their, their horrific deeds that they did upon the men. Death, lust, wickedness, worldliness, all around Shechem. And by the way, listen to me. Listen to me, preacher boy. Listen to me, young lady. You can travel very far in one day without the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, we're in Bible college. <laughs> you don't understand. We've got like handcuffs on us. I mean, we can't already blow our nose without signing out. I don't know if that's true or not. Can I, can I just tell you something? As, as high as the walls are, Lust has a way of finding a hold. And, and, and really, really, I'm going to tell you something. My heart has wept with some great kids who came out of great homes who used terms like I will never and I made a vow and I promised the Lord and I, and I, and I, and, 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 and the statement can go something like this. I went so far so fast. One day without Christ. You can make up a lot of time. Pastor for. 20 years I've kept myself pure. I've, I've, I've never even held hands with a boy. One day without Christ, it's amazing how far you can go in Shechem. They had made an oversight. They supposed that Jesus would follow them. By the way, I think that I think that's a that's that's a fairly fairly thought that many of us grab. Well, I've been in church all my life, you know. I mean, I, I I've never done anything. God's just going to follow me. I, I, you know, it is surely in goodness that follows me all the days of my life. But you know, those things follow me when the Lord is my shepherd. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't suppose, don't take for granted the presence of God. Don't, don't just suppose that Christ is in your midst. Sometimes we need to stop. And I am thankful, I am thankful that after one day's journey, somebody had a self-exam and said, Hey, Mary, where is Jesus? Well, I don't know. I, I just assumed he was with you. Well, he's not with me. I assumed he was with you. Well, he's not with me either. Well, where do you think he is? Well, let's go check the other caravans. Let's check the others and, and knock on their wagons and go to their tents. And one by one, they begin to do a self-examination. Have you seen Jesus today? And it was amazing how many others in the group had the same response. No, we've all been traveling together, coming back from a revival, and none of us have seen Jesus today. It was a serious oversight. But I'm thankful that after the examination that they began, not a path without Christ, but a pursuit for Christ. We find their oversight, but notice here the obstacles that would be in their way. The Bible says in verse 45, and when they had found him not. Now, now here, here's what I'm thankful about. When they found him not, I'm glad they didn't say, well, 
Let's just keep going and hope we run into him. Because that's never the answer. It says, and when they found him not, they returned again to Jerusalem seeking him. The Bible would tell us in verse 46, and it would come to pass after three days. I, I, I want to I just say this, and I, I, I want to just say this in love. That when you realize that you have been traveling without Christ, I think this is a good number here, that it usually takes three days to every one. Now, now, hang on, hang on. I'm not talking about gaining forgiveness, but I am talking about the, re- the revival fires burning again in your life. I- I've had people come to me and say, Brother Nance, I've sinned and I've messed up. What do I do? Well, thank God for 1 John 1, 9. But I- I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The first day you'll open your book and you may read the Bible and you may say, well, I, I-, I really don't feel the presence of the Lord or the fire of God. Well, don't stop. Keep seeking. Well, the second day, you know, I read my Bible today and I spent some time in prayer. Keep seeking. By the way, I want to say something that not only did it take three days of searching. It took three days of sorrowing. Mary makes it very clear that we have sought after you with tears. We've been seeking with all of our hearts. We've been looking for Christ. I'm sure that they went to maybe the uh, the, 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 the open uh, uh, tents where they were selling things and maybe the flea markets and checking at the playgrounds and looking on the ball fields and uh, looking maybe at the libraries. I don't know where they would search. Went to neighbors and friends knocking on doors. We're looking for Christ. We're seeking for Christ. Is He here? Is He here? You say, Brother Nance, I don't, I, I, I feel like that I've, and by the way, do you understand this? That just because you're in Bible college does not mean you're right with God? Do you understand that just because you're in Bible college does not mean that you're in fellowship with God? And I'm going to tell you, and you've heard this, as, and, and I, can, I think I can speak it because I've been there. Bible college is one of the greatest places for backsliders. You play the part. You know the songs. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. We know how to say it. We know how to sing it. We know the look. We know how well to check off the list. Oh, week of revival. Yay! Seven days. Yay. When's the last time you came seeking for Christ? When's the last time you sought Him with tears? When's the last time that you made a U-turn after self-examination and saying this? I'm not going to preach again unless I preach with Christ. I'm not going to teach another lesson unless I teach it with Christ. I'm not going to depend upon personality or or upon some, uh, just some outline. I want Christ! God help us and give us passion that we would make the journey back for Christ. Say, Brother Nance, I've been playing a part all my life. Then make a U-turn today. Go back. Go back. It'd be a three-day journey of great sorrow. Can I, can I just say this this morning? That the pursuit for Christ is a pursuit where the crowds of this world must be left behind and one must pursue alone. Did, did everybody catch that thought? You understand that Mary and Joseph had to leave the friends 
and the family behind and on their own determine, I'm going to pursue after him. By the way, you'll have to continue this pursuit. Listen to me. I, 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 I want to just, I want to just talk. There are some pastors in this room and I'm going to tell you something. You're going to find yourself on the journey someday and you're going to be in a church and it's going to be a small church and you'll find out you'll be the only one going on visitation. You'll be the only one that'll come to the prayer meeting early. You'll be the only one sometimes on Wednesday nights. You'll show up and there'll be six people there and five of them will be your family. And I would encourage you tonight. You had better pursue Christ no matter what the cost. No matter who comes with you. You pursue Christ with all of your hearts. So they journeyed for three days and they sought him with tears. Peter sought him with tears. The Bible speaks of the Lord being nigh to a broken and contrite heart. I think sometimes the reason God doesn't show up the minute we say, well, I'm going to seek Christ, boom, there he is. No, sometimes we have to come to the end of ourself before we realize who Christ is. And this was a journey where Mary and, and Joseph would struggle with their flesh and struggle with their decision. And they would seek and they would put all agenda aside and all ideas aside and all desires aside. And they would come to the place where they would seek Him with all of their hearts. I think sometimes that we have lost that seeking in our life for Christ. Well, Brother Nance, I'll tell you, I'd like to have a seminar on seeking God. You don't need a seminar on how to seek God. Well, could you give me a recommend a book on how to seek God? You don't need a book on seeking God. You know, I, I, uh, I have found this to be the case. That you seek that which you desire the most. I remember my mother. There was four of us. My father was a pastor. I remember my mother and I being in the uh, the a store. I'm not sure what store it was, but we were in the mall. <clears throat> there was four of us. Uh, I think I was about six or seven. I have a younger sister. Uh, she was probably about four, maybe three. And then there's a gap. And then I have two older uh, siblings. I have a brother uh, that's about eight years and a sister that's five years. So they, they were a little bit older. And you know the older teenagers. How many are the older siblings here? you understand that you're also parent number three. And so uh, Kevin and Karen, my older sister, they were to keep an eye on us. And so <clears throat> we were in the store, and I don't know what it was, Sears or Pennies or something like that. And so, you know, you're waiting for mom to go through every, you know, skirt and blouse and look through all of that. And so we, we began to just play. We were playing like hide-and-go-seek, you know. I mean, clothes are great places to hide in. And so here we are in the, you know, in the clothes and, you know, playing games and, after about 30 minutes, my mother came over and, you know, kind of said, all right, everybody, let's go. And uh, Kevin and Karen came out and I popped out. And uh, mom said, where's Candy? That's my youngest sister. Uh, Kevin looked at Karen and, you know, the old game. I, you got her right. No, you got her right. No. Neither one of us had her. She was missing. I'll never forget my mother tearing a store apart 
throwing clothes back, checking in, changing rooms, calling her name. Not embarrassed, not ashamed, looking for her daughter, going around in circles, going from the men's department to the ladies' department to the children's departments. I saw fire in her eye. I saw tears in her eye. Three of us were hanging on to her as fast as we could, and she was making speed. From one store, backtracking to the next store, to the next store, to the next store. I watched my mother search. I saw her stare down every child. There was no way it was getting past her. I saw her alert the security guards and run to the information booth. And then after about 25 minutes of my mother being completely terrified, we found her. She had wandered down to an ice cream shop, the age of three. My mother was not happy. Now, Lord, <clears throat> I, I want to uh, pray this morning. And uh, I, read, I read my two chapters or three. I read three this morning. I'm, I'm really doing good this morning. And uh, would you help me have a good day? Would you bless me? And um, yeah, help our church, help that pastor be better in the pulpit, preach better. And bless mom and dad. Uh, help me on that Bible quiz. Amen. And then we wonder, where is the harvest? We wonder, where's the power of God? We wonder why our soul winning is ineffective. We wonder why the preacher struggles in the pulpit. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm not asking you if you're a Jew or a good Christian or a good Jew. I'm asking you this morning, is it possible that somehow you made just one day's journey without Christ and you've become comfortable hanging in the crowd? Notice where they found the Lord. You'll find here that as they sought him with tears, the place of Christ. You know, when I read this, I think to myself, it's obvious. That's where he would have been all along. He's not going to be in some ball fields. He's not going to be in the open door market. You know where he's going to be? The place he loves the most. The house of God. You'd have thought if they really knew Jesus at the age of 12, they would have known where he was. But it took him three days to pinpoint him down. That, 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 that shocks me that his own parents 
that know Him that well. But hang on! If Mary and Joseph could go through this search and this struggle, if they could go through this path without Christ being His own parents, is it possible that I could make this own mistake? Yes, I could, and often we do. Where was Him? Where was He? He was in the temple. They had turned back again. They had turned back, leaving the fellowship behind, making a U-turn, seeking only Jesus. And they had come with the search with all of their hearts, and they found him in the temple. Now notice here, because I want you to catch this. When they come into the temple, it says here in verse 46, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? Oh, that we might resign ourselves to the Father's business. You want to be in fellowship with the Lord. He's doing the Father's business. And here they found Him in the temple. They found Him doing the Father's business. You know, what's interesting. Not only do they find Him, we find that they come in here sorrowing. I, I, I believe this is the case. Listen to me. I believe this is the case. They had just, would everybody agree with me that they've just been in church for seven days? Everybody agree with that? And after seven days of sitting through revival, they made a journey without Christ. And now they come back to the temple, and this time they come in the temple, and it's amazing as they come into the temple this time, they come in with a completely changed attitude. Mary and Joseph walk into church and they're crying. And they've come to church. I want you to catch this. They have come to church for one purpose and one purpose only. They have come to church seeking Jesus with all of their heart. And when they came to church, their flesh has been broken down. How many would agree with that? It's okay to say amen. How many agree with that? Amen. If you say amen, you'll, you'll get this on Thursday. I'll preach faster because I know you got it. All right? And by the way, it's a scriptural word. It won't, it, it's good. They came in seeking Jesus and sorrowing. Their flesh was broken down. Their focus was on Christ. And notice the word that we find here. And all that heard him were, verse 47, and all that heard him were, what's that next word? Astonished. The word astonished is an idea to, to mean that they were literally thrown out of their wit. They couldn't, not, 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 wait, wait, wait. They were astonished. Let me help you why. They were astonished because of his age. It was kind of a neat little thing. Hey, look at that 12-year-old. Did you hear him talk about the book of Deuteronomy? I mean, that's really, that just blows me away that a 12-year-old, are, are you with me? Yeah. 
they're astonished because of the questions and because of the answers and his age. That's very important to understand. Mary and Joseph come in and notice the word that's used with them. And when they saw him, the Bible doesn't use the word astonished here. It uses the word amazed. The reference or the root of this idea literally means to strike down. It means they were blown over. It, it, the word literally means this, to be struck, to be hit. Boom! Struck. Yeah, you, you know what I think happened? I think they got it. See, they, they weren't amazed because a 12-year-old boy was teaching. They were amazed because that was the Son of God. The, the, the shepherds had told them, yeah, I, I, I know. The angels, yeah, I, I, I know. Well, don't, don't you remember in this chapter here, Simeon? When Simeon came and filled with the Holy Spirit or the Spirit was upon him and, and he began to tell them his mission and his purpose and the Bible says they marveled at the words of Simeon. And then you've got Anna, Anna the widow in her old age and she sees a child and, and she begins to talk about the greatness of the child. Didn't, didn't you get it? Apparently not because they left him behind. But this time they came in and they heard not a 12-year-old boy. They heard the Son of God. And it struck them. You, you know what I think? I think when they left the temple this time, I think they left embracing Him. I think they left walking down and saying, You're the Lamb. You're the One. I didn't get it before, but I get it now. You're the One. I'm never going to leave you. I'll never go a day without spending time with you. Can I ask you a question? You have, you, 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 and I don't know your background, but probably like me, I mean, I've been in church since day one. My dad was a pastor and vacation, hurricane, storm, we're in the house of God or we're having church or something. I mean, it's just going to happen. If I was to tell you how many church services I've been in in my life, I couldn't even count. And I don't say that to brag. I just say it for, for, for the context of this thought. How often I've come to church and not been struck. But have you ever seen somebody come to church and they've been struck? They've been overwhelmed. I've got a young couple. We just had our missions conference back in January. I've got a young couple. I say they're a young couple. They were living together. Two college students, 22 years of age, started coming to church. They've, they've been coming, I would say now they've been coming for seven weeks, maybe, maybe possibly two months. The, the, I'll just give the boy's name. His name is a swan, and he had his girlfriend. During our missions conference, I'm not kidding you, they're, they're on the second row, both of them, like this. Don't know how to dress, never been in a Baptist church. They've been in a couple of other churches, but no idea what church is all about. Hey, stay with me. I know it's early. Stay with me. And, and, and here they are. First time they came, they came with the Bible on their phone. 
And they're just kind of looking it up, looking it up, looking it up, looking it up. Then they finally bought Bibles, and, and they're sitting there. And I'm not kidding you, both of them are taking notes. During our missions conference, they asked if they could meet with me. Here's what they said, Brother Surrett. They came in the office, and they said, uh, both of them in tears, Pastor, we've never heard stuff like this. We've, we've been hearing about the will of God, and we don't want to miss it for our lives. Can you show us how that we can live a righteous life? How, how, do we, how do we start living right? How do we start living godly? And so I begin to talk about the relationship. And they separated. Got baptized. That week of the missions conference, we have a big soul winning push. Amanda goes to my wife and says, he is so excited about going soul winning. He, he, he went out and bought new clothes for Saturday. Comes up with a tie and shirt on. Of course, we just wear polos when we go out door knocking. He said, what, what? I said, keep it on. You look great. No, nobody said anything to him. I see him Sunday night. Clearing out our track rack. Took all the Spanish tracks. We know lots of people we can give these to. I, I, this is one from probably like the fourth day after, after fourth Sunday. He's been telling people, uh, I, I'm the first Christian in my family. I, I want you to, I want you to start praying. I'm going to bring my brother. Been trying to tell my brother about Christ. Sunday night, I watched him. I, I didn't even realize I was, I was coming in the service, and I didn't even realize it until the invitation, and I saw his brother walk out with our youth pastor. I, I'm standing in the back talking to one of our men, and we look, and uh, his brother comes back into church. I see a swan, tears running down his face. I see him embrace his brother. Two of them just sobbing in the aisle, just weeping. Not for like 10 seconds, like two or three minutes. I was standing with one of our men and I said, man, that's a blessed sight. Hey, can I, can I ask you a question? When's the last time you wept for a soul? Well, everybody I know is saved. Maybe that's your problem. last time you came to church and you were struck? When's the last time you came to church and God spoke to your heart? When's the last time you came to church seeking Him with all of your heart? Heads bowed and eyes are closed. I'd like to have a word of prayer. Then I'm going to turn the service over. I'd like to pray for you. I wonder who would say, Brother Nance, in my heart, I'm, I would be considered by most a good Christian, if not a great Christian. I, I, I would fall in line with Mary and Joseph in many ways. 
But this morning I often see in my life that I justify days of journeying without Christ. Just one day here, just one day there. Inconsistent. Sometimes I've gone as far as Shechem. Few know that. But in my heart, I want my life to be about pursuing Christ. And I need to pursue Christ. I need to get serious in my prayer life and my Bible reading. I need to seek him and not give up. If it takes tears, I'll seek him. But in some areas of my life, I need to make a serious U-turn. And I need to pursue Christ. Would you pray for me? You'd raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons that we find. Oh, Lord, how I pray for everyone that raised their hand, that asked for prayer. Lord, how easy it is in this world to fall into the crowd and to make the journey without Christ. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us in an individual way that you would cause us and reveal those areas where we're at, that we would do in this very moment a self-examination and that we would find how great you are, but Lord, how much we need you. And Lord, I pray that in hearts today, there would be a U-turn in our life, that we would pursue Christ, that we would pursue doing your will, that we would find you. And oh God, that we would be struck. May the next time we hear a special, may we be struck. The next time we hear the word of God, may we be amazed. The next time we read our Bible, oh God, help us to be amazed. May we be overwhelmed when we discover who you really are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit, 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.